You're listening to The Reality Show, hosted by Dan Rutstein, president of immersive tech company Laduma. Each episode delves deep into the power and potential of immersive technology in business, entertainment, or sport, now and in the future. So welcome back to the reality show and here we are again visiting another company from the immersive tech space. Welcome Will, the chief creative officer, and Eric, the chief marketing officer and founder, co-founder of the company. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Will Will as well. Yes, both of us co-founders. Oh sure, yes. well, no, no worries. <laughs> oh fantastic. Well, then you're gonna have to fight among yourselves to explain <laughs> the only one. Right. AR Wall. Uh, so AR Wall, we are a uh, spatial imaging technology company. Um, we got started in uh, augmented reality special effects for film and television, um, but almost immediately um, after getting started in that, uh, we started getting approached for uh, more experiential focused stuff, uh, marketing opportunities, um, uh, out-of-home signage, uh, all kinds of uh, fascinating stuff that had absolutely nothing to do uh, with filmmaking, so we we pretty quickly spiraled out and started developing new technologies um, that address a lot of those uh, uh, those questions that people are coming to us with. And uh, so now we're really proud to say that uh, we we don't just offer film tools; we offer a whole suite of solutions depending on what the venue is, what the the aims that the client has, and uh, that that's why we say spatial imaging, large scale AR, large scale XR. That's kind of what we do. Did you get that right? Completely wrong. No. Uh, yeah, uh, I think that that's the, the, the gist of it. Um, specifically in event spaces, I mean, uh, uh, our company, uh, this is a good sampling of our co-founders as uh, we're a mix of uh, virtual effects, or sorry, visual effects, uh, compositing, background, uh, film side, and then myself and uh, our CTO and some of the other people here are more from a uh, game development, uh, real-time background. So uh, I would say, yeah, uh, from my perspective, uh, the, the interesting... Um, the most interesting stuff we're working on right now is is developing how interactivity uh, can be used in, in these kinds of technologies in store store displays, uh, um, in person events, as uh, particularly convention events. So I've had a, a tour of a facility here and got to see the AR wall. When we post this, there'll be a, a link to obviously to the company and probably a video of some of your stuff, but. For those who are driving at the moment and can't watch videos, tell them what I've just seen uh, in the way that you describe it. Well, if I was to describe this, I'd say, come and see the demo. No, uh, our, our technology is essentially um, creating, uh, uh, it's running real-time uh, graphics, so uh, um, out of a high-powered rendering engine uh, that's rendering uh, basically to whatever screen. Uh, in our lovely studio here, we've got our, our big LED wall. Uh, which is what we started with for film production, just because it has a lot of uh, brightness coming out of it. Um, but essentially, uh, it, the, the, the core of the technology is uh, a warp designed for uh, the perspective of a camera. So imagine you put your iPhone uh, in a case, or you put a sticker on your iPhone, um, and then uh, sensors around the screen uh, pick up the position of your camera. Um, it can be any type of sensor that can do this. You know, there's lots of you know, motion capture, all kinds of stuff. 
And then basically, um, we are warping the image on screen so that when you move your camera around, when you get close to it, when you get far away, it looks like you're standing in front of a window to a 3D space rather than standing in front of a TV that's playing a video of a 3D space. Um, you can look around and, it, and it, to the phone's perspective or the camera's perspective or to the viewer's perspective, uh, it, it looks more like a portal than uh, uh, just a, a flat screen, basically. So, and it's it's incredibly impressive, partly also because of the backdrops that you you know you could see the different. There's a, a desert and a forest and a space scene, um, and a gritty inner city fire escape scene, for want of a better way of describing <laughs> it. So, how would a film or TV company use your technology to help them? Sure. So, um, as you saw in the, in the scenes that you described, right, um, the benefits stack up. Uh, very well for episodic television, for one thing. So that gritty cyberpunk scene that, that you saw that was uh, you know on top of a futuristic skyscraper, right? Television shows typically have a, a uh, suite of locations that they go to uh, in every episode. You know, it's the, the bridge of the Enterprise or the superhero's lair or whatever it is, right? Not, not every scene is a wholly new location. There are some that they're going to go to at least two or three times uh, each episode. So if, for instance, that cyberpunk scene that you saw was the view outside of the main character's apartment, basically every time you shot a scene in that location, you could use our technology to get your final visual back shot. Um, and you'd only have to build that scene once. So if you're shooting there two or three times per episode and you're making 20 episodes in a season, you can see that that, that dramatically starts to increase uh, how, much, how many opportunities you have to save that money. Um, so for example, I'm not sure if this came up during your tour, we, we did this for a science fiction show that premiered uh, earlier this year. And um, based off of the uh, rebuilt budget that, that we put together, uh, it looks like we saved them close to half a million dollars oh. for just one episode using our technology. So Rather than green screen. Rather than doing each one of those shots the traditional way, which is you have a team of artists going there, uh, cutting everything out, compositing the new background behind it, and it doesn't matter if it's the same location again and again, you still have to start from scratch with that next shot, do the whole process all over again. Because the angles are different. And yeah, the angle's different. You have to render it out for each uh, each frame. And that's part of our warp, is essentially wherever the camera goes, it's real-time calculating the correct angle on, on whatever you're, you're looking yeah. at. And you can change the lighting. Yes, that trip. was a big thing. Yeah, change the lighting, and then we even had a lovely, like, take us to hyperspace, and like, you know, the captain presses a button, and then I press a button on my keyboard, and it, you know, it jumps on real time with the cue and stuff like that. It's, it's fun, yeah. And, and one of the interesting things that our technology opens up that is not even readily apparent, I mean, obviously the cost savings are intriguing, like producers, executive producers, they, they like to hear that, but what you can do is you can move the camera around, which is um, cost prohibitive in traditional uh, filmmaking methods. Every time you move that camera, you can just imagine you're pouring thousands of dollars every second uh, that, that that camera's moving on top of what you're already spending to composite it. So that's why if you watch you know, a science fiction show or a movie uh, nowadays, there's maybe one beautiful sweeping crane shot at the top of a sequence and then everything's locked off because it's easier and cheaper to composite stuff when the camera isn't moving. So. Uh, film sequences are, are a lot more static. They have less dynamism in them. And what we're offering is the ability for your cinematographer 
to pick up the camera, move it around, do some exciting camera movement, or even even better, you know, actors they hit the stage and you rehearse stuff, you block it off weeks ago uh, before you actually uh, shoot it. Sometimes there's an organic moment that happens between two characters that they only realize because they're there in costume on set and everything's set up right. And and with uh, the typical green screen methodology, usually it, it, you don't have the budget to do that new camera setup or do that interesting camera move that you want to do, uh, even though it would make compelling content because it's cost prohibitive. And so now we offer that up. So you're saving money and increasing the ability to be creative. Exactly. So how, how has it been received when this first came out and you first brought somebody and I know you've some of you've got backgrounds in this industry but when you first brought a real client to this and showed them what it could do was this a mind-blowing moment for them uh, I would say basically every director actor cinematographer that has come in and looked at it uh, has been blown away and they want to use it the um, I would say some of the road road bumps that we're hitting is that um, the, the uh, entertainment industry is just very fragmented overall. And so there's people that just work in pre-production, there's people that work in production, and there's people that just do post. And there's not really necessarily a big through line of communication between all of those elements. So we're fixing a problem that, that addresses the overall production, right? Um, but we need to be there in pre-production to make it work, and we need to be there um, on production to, to make it work. And some of those decision makers, they don't see us adding value to that specific element of the show that they work on. Uh, and they're not necessarily always concerned with the uh, overall production budget or timeline or any of that. Because, you know, by the time you get to compositing and post-production, most of these people are already two jobs away, you know? Yeah. So they, they don't see the incentive to change how they do their, their job, how they schedule things, how they work. Um, to, to bring this benefit to the production as a whole. Um, and that's, that's been like an interesting problem that we didn't, um, we didn't realize it was going to be that fragmented. So ironically, even though one of the scenes you beautifully built is a forest, people are struggling to see the wood for the trees, as it were. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's definitely yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so you were talking about, uh, during the tour, how as well as doing this stuff, you're, you're starting to do more and more of the sort of marketing stuff around this and as regular listeners of this will know and anyone related to the industry will know is doing clever immersive stuff in marketing is is huge and has is increasing all the time every trade show or product launch you go to there seems to be a new cleverer version of immersive tech uh, on the show so it's a huge market so what sort of stuff are you starting to do in that space well, yeah, I'll jump on this one. Um, so, uh, you know, as I described, our filmmaking tool uh, is reliant on, you know, very fast latency. You know, we've got this system so that the, it always updates the screen before the camera shutter goes. Uh, and we're adapting that basically to, um, you know, you just have a big screen in the front of a store that is uh, facing the sidewalk and just people walking by. Basically, the, we're performing a similar kind of tracking on them or, or having some kind of interactivity with them. Uh, is how we've uh, branched this out, and a big way, a big part of that has been, you know, when you walk by and you know you, you look at it and you go, hang on a second, like, and you move your head back and forth a little bit, and you say, like, wait a minute, I can look all the way through that. That's like a whole a whole world in there. Um, a great example of this is um, uh, uh, a thing that we pitched out, we didn't get to make, was, but basically the there's a magical bag in Harry Potter that is a, a size of a briefcase, but is a portal to a whole yeah. other realm, basically, and so to just 
like having an iPad in there and you look at it and you go, oh, okay, it's just a video playing back. And then you start looking around and you go, oh, no, there's a Griffin. I've got to look that way. And if I look over here, there's the Savannah planes and, you know, stuff like that. So I think that that, uh, just, just basically proving the value of, hey, look, we know that there's a lot of spend on uh, big screens. There's a lot of spend on screen real estate uh, in front of people in conventions and store displays. Um, and we are trying to provide value and trying to provide a very quick uh, uh, add to that, that that will drastically increase people stopping and paying attention and engaging. Yeah, the interesting thing too, with, with like the sort of thing that Will's talking about, is that we're we're, we're adding that wow factor, uh, getting people to look up from their phones, getting them to kind of pause as they go past that storefront or that end cap or wherever this you know installation might be. Um, but the the great thing about it is that we're essentially updating displays that already exist on the premises. So we're not telling a company you have to throw out that LED wall that you, you installed well, and buy a new one or, or whatever, yeah. the TV wall that you have installed. Like, keep it. You spend a lot of good money to put that sort of display up wherever your venue is. All we're saying is we can take the existing display, add the, the depth uh, sensor or whatever uh, um, configuration we're using, and turn it into something interactive. So instead of it being a, a one-way communication, a poster that shows up that you just look at and you don't get any other interactivity from it, maybe it's an interactive thing where the poster uh, engages you, your favorite character from your upcoming film, you know, waves and invites you to have like a little mini adventure, and then you, you, you play that game with them. And um, I think that's that's really something because we're, we're saying that you, the, the owner of this venue or storefront or whatever it is, you know, you've got 80% of the, the stuff already ready to go. It's just us coming in with our hardware and, and our computer to take the illusion uh, uh, to where we're proposing. So it's already, we talk a lot about storytelling on this. It's, it's The story's already sort of half written or more than half written and you're just making it more of an immersive adventure. Exactly, yeah. I would say the interesting opportunity in storytelling uh, for us is on the, is the on-set director stuff. I mean, um, uh, basically putting much more power in the director's hands and much more um, emphasis on improvisation and, and being able to have the digital world uh, improvise and react with the real world. And uh, uh, like one of the, the opening shots in the trailer uh, for, for the show that we did was basically, um, was not when they were filming, it was not during a scene, cameras were just rolling during, you know, basically the, their setup and the, the lead actress just kind of walked to the front of the, the, spa uh, the, the bridge basically and like just looked out the screen and was like, Marveling at it as the arms of the space station pass by, and they just caught that. And you know, that would have there's no reason she would have been looking at a green screen, basically. You know, we're opening up these avenues of what would a person feel if they were surrounded by giant hundred foot arms of a spinning space station just right outside their window, like which that emotion is missed completely otherwise. Yeah, fantastic. So, just moving slightly away from AR Wall for a second, so um, start with you on this one, Will. Sure. Um, Presumably, you're interested in immersive tech in a broader sense. Yes, definitely. Um, so, what sorts of things have you seen done, either as a consumer and you're not sure who built them, or by other companies that you've come across that's particularly impressed you, and why? You know, um, something that I see, I've been seeing for a while, and I still see, and I still don't think is quite there, but I think has the real um, potential is. Uh, uh, these uh, installations where there is a real actor driving um, through mocap usually or and voice and whatever you can afford uh, driving a digital character interacting and reacting in real time um, 
they, this was even as far back as the original Sony PSVR demo. They had a, uh, a, user, a handler come in with the user and toss a ball back and forth. And just that multiplayer physicality of it. Um, I think that people don't see digital spaces as uh, something that other people exist in. I think they see them as completely fictional, completely devoid of other characters aside from you know narratively placed ones there or, or fictional ones. And uh, to have a, a robot you know, look right at you and respond to the thing that you just said with something witty, uh, every time I've seen it deployed, just blows people away in a, in a way that, you know, all the contingent parts are like, I know what mocap is, I know what the CG rendering is, I know, you know, but uh, when it's all put together, um, it, it's uh, surprising. It's surprising how shocking it is, yeah. Yeah, I know I was reading a book about this the other day, and it's the whole thing about empathy and intimacy and eye contact that just mm. completely changes how the immersive experience yeah, I, I, feel. Yeah, I worked on a piece, actually, where I was implementing eye contact in, a, in an, another direction for uh, um, a permission for Planned Parenthood, a VR piece, where it was uh, um, you play someone trying to get to a Planned Parenthood when you're being shouted at by uh, protesters, essentially, and then making eye contact with you is a whole other wow. side of the empathy spectrum. It was It was actually like... Jarring. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, extraordinary. Yeah. So, did that project come to life? Uh, yeah, I, feel, I believe it was like no, you know, it was one of these things that was just at events and uh, uh, museums and conventions. So it wasn't. I don't think it was on the Steam store ever. But yeah, extraordinary. <laughs> So Eric, you've got the unfair advantage of having longer to think about a similar question, <laughs> so your answer has to be even better. Even better, alright, let's see what I can do. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, of immersive theatre, I guess, immersive experiences, mm-hmm. and one of the things that I find endlessly um, exciting about working at ARWall is that um, I believe that we're, we're creating a lot of tools that could take those sort of experiences to the next level. So, uh, for example, um, I'm a big horror film fan, and the L.A. Haunt uh, scene is is a lot of fun, um, but it's mostly taking um, like stage production um, um, and, and theatrical experiences and uh, getting you to suspend your disbelief because you know you're wrapped around these these big cast performances, right? But one of the things that we could do and that we've talked about in in the past is um, giving them some digital tools as well to fold into these spaces that they're creating. So we could do things like uh, we're tracking your body position, we're tracking your your face, your eyes. So we know where you're looking, which also means we have an understanding of where you're not looking. And being able to fill spaces both with physical actors, but also apparitions or, or, or specters or whatever you want just to call it. Just at the corner of your eye. Just at the corner of your eye so that when you turn to look at it, uh, it, it floats away and disappears. Like, you know, being able to create that that sort of uh, small detail work inside of a larger experience, I think it's going to push things to the next level. I, th- I think horror definitely lends itself. I cannot remember now which company did it, or indeed the whole experience, but one of my earlier VR experiences, and it was a walking around one when you're tethered, and I think I sort of walked into various objects at this event. <laughs> but the bit that I remember is, it was the classic thing, so, you know, you're looking one way and you hear a noise and you turn around and it's the classic sort of little girl with the hollowed out eyes or whatever just yeah. appears there and then yeah. you turn back and then she's not there and you look back and then she's right in front of you and the whole thing and it, you know it was relatively scary although the, that particular event didn't quite work but yeah you know, and, I, and I don't talk much about La Duma on this very often but we, you know we've been thinking about horror and maybe using a dome where you can have multiple people together sort mm-hmm. of being scared in different ways and I think there's there's definitely something in it because I suppose 
the more you can track where people are, obviously the experience can yeah. get exponentially better uh, and can begin to mimic some of the reasons why you know real actors jumping out from behind hay bales at some of these events yeah. works because they know they wait until you're ready to be scared. And if a computer can, well, if you can digitally work out where somebody's looking so you can scare them in the right way, there's a huge opportunity there. We need the heart rate off of these depth sensors too. I mean, yeah. we can pick the one person in your group who's the weak link. And <laughs> yeah, there's Fantastic. a lot of really, uh, really interesting things that we could do when you start thinking about like how to effectively scare people, yeah. <laughs> which yeah. I think is fun. And then just, you know, I, as a, even in, in interactive media and games, I think that horror is a different, um, is, is so much more suited to interactivity than it is to uh, uh, traditional film media or anything else, just because the big difference is if you're not scaring the character, you're scaring the audience. Like the audience watching a horror film is like, oh, that character is about to get killed. Like an audience playing the game or a player playing the game is I, I'm completely personally about to get killed by this, and it's just—I think it's a, a different level for, for horror. Very good. Um, so, question for you, Eric: In terms of your your real life, as it were, are you a man who spends a lot of time doing various elements of VR and AR, or is this a work thing? Uh, yes and no. So, um, we're very active in the convention scene. So we, we go to plenty of conferences, plenty of conventions, and uh, I try to sneak away into at least a few experiences every time uh, we go to one of those. Um, I do not personally own like a VR uh, setup at home or anything like that, so I don't do them in my day-to-day -day life uh, necessarily, but I am always interested in, in a good immersive experience. Like I said, um, just two, three weeks ago I did The Void Extraordinary, isn't it? Yeah, so great. I I love the detail work that did that you do put into Star Wars Ghostbusters? The Star Wars one, yeah. yeah. We're big Star Wars uh, yeah. fanatics. So, yeah. So I, I I do go and do them. I don't I don't do these sorts of things on like a daily basis. But I'm also I feel like I'm basically living and breathing it here at work. So I, yeah. I definitely get my dosage. So something you said about the conferences and conventions. Um, so obviously, like every industry, there are plenty of these things, probably uh, more than some people's marketing budget can stand, and you can spend everything getting these wrong. What's your strategy towards these things, and do you get value from them? Sure. So um, we're, we're still a very young company. We're pretty scrappy. Um, and to Will's points earlier, you know, half the team came from a filmmaking background. Uh, so we're very used to getting results with no money <laughs> uh, uh, is essentially what it boils down to. So our strategy is often uh, we try to go to um, all of the good conventions that are within uh, an easy traveling distance of the LA area. So that, that leaves a lot of stuff in the Bay Area that's easy for us to get to. Obviously anything here in LA we can do. Um, and we typically try to trade for convention space um, by partnering with another brand and help them create an, an interesting activation of some sort or perhaps directly with the conference themselves if they understand what our tech is and uh, you know how exciting it'll be to, for for their attendees to be able to see it uh, we usually make a trade like that um, but but right now I mean we're such a young company that the the marketing spend that you would see you know the larger much more established one spending is is really not in our wheelhouse at just the moment um, but I, I think we uh, try to figure out you know any strategy we can to also be in the same room. Yeah, and can you? Is your stuff mobile enough to take 
decent sized things to these events because yeah. showing videos of this stuff is never the same. Yeah. Sure, sure. So if, if we can partner with like uh, like one of our uh, rental companies or, or uh, one of them, we'll try to get like an LED wall set up. Um, but I mean that's extremely expensive and that's a big favor to ask of you know any of our partners. So uh, we don't always do that. But, um, I mean, we're scalable. We can go to any size display. We could go from projector to LED to TV. So often, if, if we don't have like a big LED wall set up for these things, we'll get like an 85, 90 inch TV or two, two or three of them and rent them for a day and then uh, set up the experiences there. And that's still, that's still very large. It definitely gets the, um, gets the idea across to, to people. And it also makes that footprint a little more easier to manage for you know a conference room floor. So that that's usually our strategy. Yeah, I would say overall that they've been uh, they've been worth it in terms of just contacts and uh, business development. Mm -hmm. the, the conventions have been a significant source of uh, of leads. Yeah. It's the classic dilemma for companies. You can yeah. spend all your money doing a big stand at CES or South by Southwest and then be bust by the time they come around again the following year. Mm -hmm. Or you can be yeah. cleverer around it because it's very hard to compete with some of these. That's what I heard about AWE. I, I, heard, I, I didn't go this year, but I went uh, the year before and I, I was asking my friends about it. I was like, oh, well, what, what was different about this year? And it's basically like almost none of the companies were the same. As that's what they're saying. So people were now looking for companies that had not just shown up because they were so wary from uh, from last year, yeah. That, that's actually, uh, it's funny that you bring up South By because we've had a good presence there the past few years and to date we we haven't had to pay anything <laughs> once again. So we were in the pitch competition uh, two years ago and won it for best ARBR oh, startup. Uh, so we were there and everyone wanted to talk to us and you know we showed footage, so that was great. And then um, this most recent year, we went back and we were a part of the Mashable uh, opening night party. And so we took over their VIP section and set up a wall there and let all the VIP guests, you know, take photos with it and, and take video and all of that. That's so <laughs> that once again, that's, that's what I'm saying. It's like, did we have a booth? Did we have, you know, like a permanent installation somewhere? No, but we tried to find somebody to partner with yeah. and it, it got us to Austin. It got us into the festival and, you know, it, it got, uh, Hundreds of eyeballs on it, yeah. you know, within a short time. A great way to do it. I think I've been to five Southwise. I've, I've been to. The, I've only been invited to the Mashable party once, mm. where I had to pull a sword out of a stone as a uh, <laughs> King Arthur film promotion. Oh, um, um, <laughs> well, most people sitting there yeah. getting drunk and eating pizza, but I did of the course, activation. And I helped the company who did it, so it was uh, very good. Super. So, what happens next for your company? What does the next couple of years look like? Well, interesting question. I mean, uh, we um, we get a. I mean, honestly, one of the difficult part about entering that is we have a, a lot of a very broad spectrum of demands uh, coming in from different different quadrants. Um, you know, there was probably a two week span in the last couple of months where I would have told you we're one hundred percent going to be a cruise ship uh, screen display uh, software display company. Like you know, but uh, we didn't end up doing that. But basically. Um, I, I think that uh, uh, moving more into the um, accessible space, like right now, uh, we're built on AR wall, and, and it's like it, the, the illusion or the filmmaking tool is to uh, you know have as much space behind you as you can as a wall. And I think that we're moving into uh, it works on your TV, it works at your store, it works at your setup that you already have. Uh, it just kind of adds adds value there. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think that 
we have all seen enough uh, science fiction shows, films, and all of that, where we, we basically want that like Blade Runner experience. We want that, no, that, that minority report, yeah, or a minority report. They where you're, it feels like you're reaching into the screen, you're touching your data, you're moving stuff around, and it looks visually correct to you, the user, right? Um, I don't think that's 20 years out. I think that's going to be within the next couple of years, and we're going to be pioneering a lot of that work. So the, the dissemination of information is um, something that we're very keen on, we're very mindful of, and I, I hope we play a big part in how information is organized uh, uh, in the near future. Um, we've got a, a lot of big plays. We've got um, car communication networks that we're working on, medtech stuff that we're working on in the background as well, plus the whole suite of fun uh, film tools as well. So there, there's no shortage of um, interesting things that we could do inside the space. Um, and, and really it's just a matter of we're, we're in our Series A right now, we're trying to close that round out as soon as possible so that we could just get some you know, jet fuel and port on here and, and start cranking out more of these uh, inventions. Yeah, fantastic. So look, we're at the last question, um, which is always the same, um, but there's two of you here, so one's gonna have a massively large advantage in thinking time. So I think I'm gonna swatch it around this time. So Will, you get to think about this while I ask Eric the question, what technological change will transform your industry? Um, that's an interesting one. I think I, one of the things that I find endlessly fascinating and, and that um, we're trying to do more work in is machine learning. Um, I, I think that that is going to um, provide a lot of the solves that we need uh, in order to accomplish the illusions that we're trying to build. Um, and it's certainly better than having a whole team of, of engineers, you know, um, putting, in, putting in those man hours to teach a system how to do a thing. If we, if we could have it um, uh, learn the parameters of what we're trying to do using machine learning techniques. Um, you're going to see uh, a, a lot of very interesting interactive experiences opening up. Um, so I think that's, I think that's the the one that I'm most excited to start using in particular. Um, and we have a short list of, of individuals who specialize in this that we're trying to get on board, you know, as soon as possible. Um, yeah, that's me. Cool. Um, I feel like I should ask you a different question, uh, yeah, but, I'm, but I'm not going to because no, I'm fascinated by your answer. Um, our industry in particular, I, I think the, the biggest change, even though it's a bit of a gradual one, is, is uh, in a broad sense just the level of fidelity that uh, computers and just our systems have visually and spatially of our world. Uh, I think that we're, a big topic at AWA as well is, is the idea of the AR cloud or you know, I think the concept is basically um, uh, piecing together lots and lots of disparate cell phone image uh, GPS depth data to give uh, a centralized server a very accurate, very up-to-date, almost inch by inch, I think in the future, uh, kind of map, like 3D map, visual color map as well of the world. Um, and I mean, just all kinds of things will, will, will change in terms of just like, uh, you know, it's like having a Google Street View truck in your going through your house all the time. Um, I think that uh, that that will make a huge impact on, on any type of um, industry where rendering real places is uh, is a part of it. Uh, already, there's very convincing demos of like the Taj Mahal and like very famous waterfalls and like 
big tourist landmarks where Google is able to just get millions of photos easily on publicly available sites from all these different tourists from every angle, every lighting of these buildings and, and kind of reconstruct very, very faithfully that. And I think that that edging, you know, spreading to the rest of the world through, you know, either manual trucks, drones, or collecting through phones. And then, you know, it's gonna be very interesting when we have a very good digital copy of, of almost everything visually uh, for artists, for creatives, for, I mean, it's, <laughs> Yeah, and I think it's going to be hard to keep that under wraps. I think it's going to be like Google Maps. I think it's going to be very widely accessible. So, interested to see where that goes in photo real rendering. Very good. Will, Eric from AR Wall, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. You're listening to The Reality Show, hosted by Dan Rutstein, president of immersive tech company Laduma. Each episode delves deep into the power and potential of immersive technology in business, entertainment, or sport, now and in the future. Thank you for listening to The Reality Show. If you enjoyed listening, please be sure to subscribe and leave a review. You can also find us on social media at Reality Show Pod. Thank you.